0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to our latest lecture. And this is going to be a focused lecture on CT of trauma to the thoracic aorta. And I'm specifically going to look at some of the issues, pearls and pitfalls related to trauma. I'm specifically going to focus on trauma in the aortic arch, typically due to MVAs, though occasionally due to things like stab wounds. Now, Blunt aortic injuries represent the second leading cause of death from motor vehicle accidents, accounting for about 15% of all MVA associated deaths. Death occurs at the scene of the accident in up to 90% of the cases. According to a historical case series, the majority of patients with blunt aortic injuries who arrive at the hospital alive are hemodynamically stable, but only 10% survive more than six hours, which really tells you the importance of making an early diagnosis and then having early intervention. The majority of patients with blunt aortic injuries have an associated closed head injury, multiple rib fractures, lung contusions, or orthopedic injuries, which basically says that if a patient has an aortic injury, they've had significant trauma. The number one cause of death in these accidents is usually brain injury. Up to 80% of patients presenting with blunt aortic injury die before hospitalization, and the remaining survivors in hospital mortality is as high as 46%. While this is a potentially lethal injury, it is rare and accounts for about 1.5% of thoracic trauma. Again, the good news is it's not the most frequent injury, but of course, many of the patients with aortic trauma never make it to the hospital, and we never scan them. Rapid deceleration is the universal mechanism for this injury. Most commonly, there are multiple other life-threatening injuries present, with less than 20% of patients having this as an isolated injury, making the diagnosis and initial next steps challenging. The aortic injury is defined as a tear in the aorta that is a result of combination of shear and stretch forces, rapid deceleration, increased intravascular pressure, and compression of the aorta between the anterior chest wall and vertebrae, which explains why, of course, you're going to get multiple injuries, including to bone. Blunt aortic injury, in this article by Muad, it's a good article from a couple years back, requires a high index of suspicion based on mechanism of injury in the trauma population. These days, endovascular approaches have slowly replaced open surgical repair for the management of this pathology, and I'll show you an example of that. Clearly, patients that present with blunt thoracic injury should be relegated to centers that specialize in trauma patients, as it is their concurrent injuries that are the focus of their critical care, which is why, patients typically will go to shock trauma centers, if at all available. Injury can occur along the entire length of the aorta, essentially from the ascending aorta to the iliac bifurcation, but the injury typically occurs at areas of aortic tethering, notably the aortic isthmus. Blunt thoracic aortic injury is associated with other major entities of chest trauma, as I mentioned before, including sternal fracture, first and second rib fractures, clavicle or scapular fractures, pneumothoraces, hemothorias, flail chest, pulmonary contusion, diaphragm injury, tracheobronchial disruption, esophageal injuries. Okay, it also makes the point when you have these other injuries, you got to be thinking about the possibility of blunt thoracic aortic injury. It's also important to make sure you do the studies with IV contrast. If you're not gonna use IV contrast, you're gonna miss many of these lesions. Now, I'm not gonna go into the uh, categories, but there is a categorization for grades. Grade one, intimal tear. Grade two, intramural hematoma. Grade three, pseudoaneurysm. And grade four, rupture. And I'm mainly gonna focus on the grade three and grade four injuries. So that becomes very, very important. Now, when we talk about thoracic aortic injury in this article by Cullen, and this is going back a few years, again, they focused on the indirect as well as associated findings, uh, intramural hematoma, intimal flap, and pseudoaneurysm, injuries that only involve the intima, classified as minimal aortic injuries, should only have direct findings of TAI. Okay, so that becomes important as well. Now, I'll just mention the mediastinal hematomas, although a sign that makes you worry about aortic injury, can be due to other structure injuries, including pulmonary artery, great vessels, or mediastinal veins, or even fractures of vertebral bodies. The presence of a mediastinal hematoma should prompt a careful review for vascular injury, be it aortic, pulmonary artery, or great vessel. When you have a high suspicion of vascular injury, of course, from a technical perspective, you'd like to do a gated acquisition, so you're not dealing with potential errors due to motion-related artifact. The best way to distinguish a true aortic root injury from motion artifact, if you didn't do a gated study, is simply repeat the study with ECG gating. Most of the time when there's motion artifact, you can tell it's motion artifact. Now, the reason you don't routinely do gating is because you're doing a pan scan, and so you're not gating the entire chest, abdomen, and pelvis. But if there is a question, go back, inject more contrast, and simply do a gated acquisition. So that becomes a very important point. We talk about artifacts. Again, patients post-trauma don't remain still all that well, There may be foreign matter present if it was a gunshot wound rather than a uh, a MVA. But again, the importance of a gated, and if there's still any concern or uncertainty, a TEE can be done if the patient is stable. But again, you have to be very careful, and technique is everything. So here's an example, and someone call this a dissection of the ascending aorta. You can see the issue right here. Now, one of the things to remember is when you have motion, it may not only involve the aorta, it may involve the pulmonary artery, or in this case, the left atrium, and you can see there's other motion. Now, sometimes I like to say that the way I can be certain there's motion or not motion is looking at the coronal views. Often you see linear lines tracking beyond the aorta, here you can see the linear line going through the left atrium and you're not going to have an injury of aorta and left atrium but from the coronal it'll be hard to be certain here's a few more coronal views you still might be suspicious maybe there's an injury but you simply go back do gated acquisition and the aorta looks perfectly normal so you want to be very careful the last thing you want to do is have someone go to surgery when they don't have an injury The other thing we mentioned before about concurrent injuries, if you don't see sternal fractures or spine fractures or metastinal hematoma, you just see some quote-unquote linear line in the aorta, it's likely going to be a pseudolesion, and therefore, if you're not certain, just do a gated acquisition. People talk about, in this article by Mark Rainey, talk about some of the pitfalls they talk about three pitfalls, right? ruptures, which is what I showed you a moment ago, where things show motion-related artifact because there's no gating. They talk about metastinal hematoma of venous, in, of venous origin, again, making the point that just because you have metastinal hematoma does not mean you have aortic injury. It could be venous, such as the SVC or great veins. And finally, metastinal hematomas can be two extra aortic injuries. And so again, careful attention to the entire study becomes very important. Now, one of the things, of course, we spoke about before was the difficulty in diagnosis. It's important to be able to use 3D imaging. In this article we wrote we made the point that uh, 2D MPRs and 3D rendering, particularly cinematic rendering if available, is essential to identify aortic trauma and distinguish anatomic variants and other forms of aortic pathology from an acute injury. So often you will see things that look like they involve the aorta, but it may be things like ductus diverticulum, for example. So 3D imaging can be very helpful. This article by Steve Rowe makes that point. And again, this ductal remnants, a diverticulum or a small bump, are normal findings from the ductus. But this is the area of greatest concern. This normal variant can simulate injury and can be very perplexing for the inexperienced and unaware radiologist. The ductal diverticulum is a remnant of the closed or partially closed ductus arteriosus which connects the pulmonary artery to the aorta in fetal circulation. Ductal remnants are located at the inferior surface of the arch near the aortic isthmus, which leads to their confusion with these uh, aortic injuries. Now, a key thing is, of course, ductal remnants are typically smooth, have obtuse margins that are continuous with the aortic wall, and may often be calcified. The presence of calcification can be very helpful, in distinguishing a ductal remnant from aortic injury with the presence of calcification favoring a benign ductal remnant. And again, we had the same thing in this article that we wrote. Again, the importance, uh, the potential confusion, the differentiation we said can be difficult, but it's of paramount importance in order to spare patients the morbidity of a necessary thoracic surgery. And I'm going to focus on this in my talk. Now, here's just a couple of cases from the article. This patient had a mediastinal hematoma. So you have high suspicion. And initially, there was a thought the patient had aortic injury. You can see on the 3Ds very nicely at the red arrow that the patient has a ductus. There's a communication between the aorta and pulmonary artery. That was a PDA. And there was no aortic injury. It was simply a PDA simulating an aortic injury. And here's just another example. Now this one's kind of trickier because you can see that outpouching, but it goes right down into the pulmonary artery. Again, those oblique 3D images can be very valuable in making the diagnosis. And here's the third case. Again, a little bit easier. There's calcification at the isthmus level. You see the linear line going between the aorta and the pulmonary artery, and you see contrast of a patent PDA in the pulmonary artery. Again, sagittal views or oblique views are critical, and here's just a few more images in that case. So this patient has no evidence of aortic injury. This patient would be left alone. There would be no problem, and we would do nothing more. And just showing you a few additional images, and here's the 3D rendering, kind of that oblique perspective, nicely showing you the entire process. So this is a classic ductus, diverticulum, the communication, PDA. There's no evidence of aortic injury. Now I mentioned uh, it's important to look very carefully. Here's a good example that not only MVAs, but we know gunshot wounds, large hematoma left neck, the patient's intubated, NG tube is present, large mediastinal hematoma. You can see this outpouching, this active bleed of contrast. It's coming near the left subclavian artery. You can see the bullet is really within or adjacent to the arch. You can see the hematoma, anterior metastinum, middle mediastinum, posterior metastinum, tracking down along the aorta. Here's a sagittal view with the bullet in the aorta, the active extravasation just by the junction near the left subclavian artery. And I'm showing it to you in a range of images. Here's grayscale volume rendering. Here it is simply showing you the bleed on the axial images, right there. And here it is in the coronal display. Here it is on the 3D volume rendering. And here it is on the cinematic rendering. So active extravasation, large metastinal hematoma, right near the region of the patient's aorta and subclavian artery, with the bullet clearly seen. So I just want to show you a nice example that not every aortic injury is related to MVA. It could be trauma, but we're going to focus, in this talk, we're really focusing more on the MVAs. But just to show you a nice example, the importance of protocol, and the importance of being very careful in looking at those images. And here's just a few more. Just really nice examples. Okay, And again, this is in one of our articles, which shows really the importance, A, of contrast, the importance of integrating the data set, and how extensive mediastinal hematomas can indeed be. Now, here's an example of a patient with an MVA with an aortic injury at the ductus level. You look at the axial views, you see this slide-out pouching. That's not going to be a ductus diverticulum. That's the real thing. You can see it's circular. Remember the cases I showed you before, it was more linear. Yes, you can get outpouchings at that zone, which can look like ductus diverticulums, but with the mediastinal hematoma and the circular outpouching, the angles of that outpouching to the aorta, that's a classic aortic injury. Nicely seen, this patient had surgery with a stent placed. Here's another patient. This patient climbed and then fell out of a window. Look at this large mediastinal hematoma and look at the active extravasation in this patient, right by the ductus zone. You can see the extensive blood that's present. You can see the very, very obvious active extravasation, pericardial hemorrhage, uh, pleural uh, fluid. You can see the rib fractures. You can see where the injury was, the mediastinal hematoma. So this patient had all of the bony findings, sternal fractures. Here you can see the spine fracture, as well as rib fractures from the extensive injury. And here we're just gonna show you some of the sagittal views. Here very nicely, you see the contrast extravasation. And here it is again on a few other views. You can see the dissection tracking near the left subclavian artery. Here it is on classic volume rendering. And then here we go with the cinematic rendering from the front of the patient where you see the sternal fracture to the view from below where you see the active contrast extravasation. Nicely seen here and here. Sagittal views. Again, the sagittal and oblique views really show you very nicely the injury. This is a bit higher than typical, but you can see a very impressive injury of the aorta. With active contrast extravasation. This patient did undergo surgery for this, but again, the extent of the injury is very nicely shown. And here it is again. Now, one of the things I do, and I'm showing you this so you can uh, get a good feel, is I'll remove the bony structures after I've analyzed them to really give you a good look. Here's a cinematic rendering, really nicely showing you the spectrum of views you can do with the Aortic injury, past the left subclavian, as well as the active contrast extravasation. Again, very nicely shown on this series of images. And again, here's just a really just nice example of that case. Now, another patient, MVA, you can see the blood in the anterior metastinum, posterior metastinum, you see the irregularity of the aorta. So you know there's an aortic injury. That's not motion artifact. You can see how nice the ascending aorta looks. You track it down. Look at this transection of the aorta right there. See the aorta is intact a little bit lower. The large posterior metastinal hematoma, really nicely shown on the sagittal views. You can see injuries to the spine. There's the patient's sternal injury. Again, we commented before how sternal injuries and spinal injuries really make you think carefully about potential aortic injuries because of that compression type phenomena but here you really nicely see and i'll show it to you in a range of different visualizations the injury at the level of the ductus zone the isthmus of the descending thoracic aorta you can see the transection the large bleed present then we'll go to the volume rendering we see what uh, really you see beautifully that transection here. And then just a few more images, oblique. Then here is from below using volume rendering. Same thing. You can see the nice transection. And here it is with the cinematic rendering. And we go through a lot of different views. Again, the mediastinal hematoma, the transection. Again, very nicely shown on the sagittal views. Again, cinematic rendering can be very helpful. Here, I'm simply changing the rendering. As I mentioned before, I'll remove the bony structures to really isolate everything. I'll also look carefully at the pulmonary arteries. I'll look at the lung. I'll look for any other concurrent injuries. Another example, this patient came in with bilateral pneumothoraces, chest tubes are placed. The question here, is this a real injury or is it a ductus phenomena? Truthfully, here you look at this, this looks like a transection right there. Uh, You look at the images as we track down. On the sagittal view, it's at the ductus zone, but you see how it's like an outpouching, and it's irregular. That's not the way a ductus looks. They're typically smooth. Here it's irregular. This is classic for aortic injury. And you can see as you get through a few more views, showing that nicely, you can see the linear line here. And so here we're dealing with a ductus injury, not simply going to deal with a ductus diverticulum. So again, very nicely shown. And again, to make the point, it can be challenging. Again, the use of the 3D imaging, the use of multiplanar imaging will make your life easier. And here's just a few more looks at that injury. Okay, again, very nicely shown. And I'm showing to you both uh, pre and post chest tube placements so it's just a very very nice example and here it is again on the axial views now i think one would have to be clear that when you see so much trauma you need to look at the aorta very carefully and in this case i think you're not going to have too much problem but again another example again you see the dissection here you see the mediastinal hematoma you see the irregularity of the aorta Now that's not motion artifact. That is with a transection of the aorta. That's the classic appearance. There it is again, and it looks very similar to the case I showed you uh, to the prior case two cases ago, that same type of appearance on the sagittal view, where it looks almost like two layers to the aorta, which in fact is what it is, and very nicely the bleed. And here you can see the sternal fracture. And again, I'll go through the oblique views. I took the bony structures away. And here very nicely, you see the patient's aortic injury. Just a really good example of that aortic injury through a range of different planes and different perspectives. So again, it's very important to really analyze the cases carefully, know the extent of injury. In this case, again, it's so impressive the dissection, this is one of those patients with this transection, rather than calling it a dissection, with a transection, who miraculously, it was a miracle, miraculously is not a real word, but it was a miracle the patient made it to the hospital. I guess the large blood around it caused tamponade, but you can see why this patient is very unstable and why this could easily rupture and the patient bleed to death. When you're at a trauma center, when you have excellent vascular surgeons, these are the ones where you'll have emergency surgery and they'll go and they'll put a stent in place. Without a stent, without repair, this patient would die. These days with endovascular stent repair, it's a much higher success rate. It's You, know, you could imagine trying to fix this aorta. Without a stent, it can be exceedingly difficult. Again, the range of views I'm showing you. You can see I really like this case. But again, showing you the extent of the injury, showing it to the surgeon when they were deciding what procedure to do really helps everyone out. So again, the importance of being able to do 3D mapping, the importance of gating when necessary, the importance of thin sections, the importance of rapid IV injection, are all very nicely shown in this case and here's that same patient again there's the dissection there is on the uh, sagittal views okay you see it here again the metastinal hematoma nice dissection and then here you'll see as we go from the pre-treatment to the post-treatment exam so here's see very nicely repair of the traumatic dissection It looks really good, and this patient did well. So an endovascular stent just past the left subclavian artery, tracking down the proximal descending thoracic aorta is really the way to go, and here it is in 3D imaging. So I've spoken to you about blunt aortic injuries. I've showed you some very nice case studies. I've discussed some of the challenges, some of the pitfalls, the importance of fast imaging, the importance of rapid diagnosis, and rapid management. The lucky 20% or so of patients who make it to the hospital still have more than a 50% or about a 50% lack of survival. And the patients who do survive is when there's rapid surgical intervention. And these days, endovascular stenting is the way to go. And with that, I thank you for your attention.